places together, here we believe that our lives are connected to one another and rooted in God's inclusive and expansive love for diverse creation. I'm Colleen Montgomery, pastor of All Places Together and your podcast host. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. It's the season of creation. Let's talk about animals. Is the fifth and final Sunday of the season of creation here at APT, and it's all about animals. Every part of creation has incredible animals. The birds of the air and even dear little penguins who can't fly. Fish, crustaceans, and mammals that call water home. Reptiles and other mammals that walk the land. And amphibians who kind of like move in between the water and the land all are incredible. And our relationships with animals vary. Yes, we are in the food chain circle of life with many of them. We both eat animals and sometimes people are eaten by animals as well. Then there are all the creatures that we admire or study. And then there are the animals that become part of our families, our pets. The ones that we bring into our homes and share space and land with. And that's what today's episode is about. You know I'm a dog mom, so you could probably see this one coming. Today's episode is focusing on pets, but a particular type of pet. (coughs) Therapy dogs. Sibyl and Mark Nelson own and are the dog parents of Chow Bella Retrievers based out of Troutville, Virginia. They breed Labrador Retrievers to be various types of service animals. They have been awarded the 2021 Recipient of Outstanding Community Service Award by the Federation of Dog Breeders based out of Richmond, Virginia. They are an American Kennel Club Breeder of Merit and also the Bread with Heart, which stands for Health, Education, Accountability, Responsibility, and Tradition. They partner with Star City Canine Training Club, Pet Partners, and TheraPets of the Roanoke Valley. They are members at St. Philip Lutheran in Roanoke. And in addition to raising incredible puppies for life-changing work, they also garden and have a beautiful homestead. And the summers where they're not taking care of puppies, they have an incredible vegetable garden. A few weeks ago, I had the joy of getting to go out to their farm, meeting their dogs, including some of the puppies. And Seville shared with me amazing stories about the impact that her dogs, their dogs have had on the people they serve, the wider community, and even on her faith. So if you have a soft spot for dog stories, 
Just pause now and get your tissues out. And this is just amazing what you're going to hear. for having us out to Chalabella Retrievers. We're so excited to be here. Thank you. Uh, we love having you here and welcome. Thank you. So I just would love to start the conversation with, he with hearing about how you got into breeding retrievers <laughs> and kind of how this adventure began for you and your family. Okay. Um, we're really not 100% clear either how we ended up here. Um, we always blame it on Christ, you know, because we feel like it's so faith-driven. And it's been really a faith journey for us. Um, so my husband Mark and I, we left our, we retired from our professional careers. And it was time to really start thinking about what in the world are we going to do with the rest of our lives because... You know, assuming a beach position and just sort of having a tequila, it's not us, you know. <laughs> um, my mission, my personal mission statement has always been to make positive difference. And mm. I want to do that for the rest of my life. So we had lots of conversation. We used to rescue Labrador retrievers. We had two of them here. So we learned a lot about labs and absolutely loved them. Um, obviously, because they were rescued, there were lots of health challenges with them, very costly interventions that were needed to um, make sure that they had some quality of life. So it wasn't too long after that we made a connection with St. Francis Service Dogs here in Roanoke, Virginia. They just did an awesome job um, in really getting Labrador Retrievers, training them, and then matching them to people with disabilities and really vastly improving their ability to be seen in our society and to improve the quality of their lives. And it just really spoke to me personally. So um, before too long, you know, I always had a, 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 I love biology in school. And one of the things I had never gotten a chance to do was actually have baby puppies. Aww. It was always in my heart that I wanted to just experience that. So between all of St. Francis and, and all these things, I ended up reaching out to one of the members of the board of directors on St. Francis and had a conversation about, you know, how, how difficult is it really to procure high quality Labradors to be able to do this work? Because it is such an intense process. Um, it, typically what I was told is that their washout rate rates for dogs to actually make it through the entire program from the time they're eight weeks old until they're placed is only about 40%. Oh, wow. And so Mark and I talked about that and thought, you know, 
is there maybe something there where with our farm that we have and the resources that we have, with the passion that we have for Labradors, is there something that we can do to help? So I had the conversations with this board member um, to, for some guidance, and I said, if I ended up getting uh, a Labrador, you know, how would I go about breeding it in such a way that would be responsible and to produce the outcome that would be highly desirable, you know, to place puppies with St. Francis and donate them to the organization. So we, we started down this road, and it's a long road. Um, Bottom line is we ended up having Bella. Uh, she was our first girl. We bred her. The very first litter was on the ground, um, getting much coaching you know, <laughs> and feedback on here, the, the things you should really think about doing. And we were very inexperienced at this, but it, it was a challenge and we were willing to just stretch ourselves. So uh, time came when these puppies were eight weeks old and we hauled them down to St. Francis and they temperament tested them. So they had a team off there, their folks there, and it was just fascinating to see how some puppies, you could really see how they were working with people, mm. and others really weren't that interested in that. So there was this curiosity that kept on driving us. But as part of that process, um, they, they said, we would love to have this puppy, and we ended up donating Tank to them. Um, <laughs> the story started winding around. Tank ended up being raised um, at the planned prison system, which they had a partnership with mm. prisoners that qualified under certain criteria to become trainers, and they trained them on how to handle the dogs. It was a really great partnership. And then, of course, the dog would come out of prison and be with a host family locally, and, and that's oh, how wow. they were getting their rounded training. And all of that just was really awesome. So, but... As, as with everything else, the first attempt kind of failed. Uh, Tank did really, really well. And at about um, a year and a half old, for whatever reason, um, we don't know what exactly happened to him, but he decided that he did not want to be there anymore and he did not want to be a service dog. So Aww. they ended up career changing him and he came back to us. Um, down the road, we ended up figuring out that he had an actual health problem in his jaw with um, some teeth that ended up growing into his actual jawbone and caused him severe distress. So all of that was fixed, and then he was a normal dog again, and it was like, oh, he's back. He's doing great. So my husband, Mark, ended up taking him through all kinds of training and earned all kinds of AKC titles for him in obedience and got us really excited about doing performance work with our dogs on top of everything else. Um, and then from there, Virginia Tech got really interested in him and he became Crowley too uh, and was placed with uh, Virginia Tech Corps of Cadets um, and became their ambassador, their canine ambassador. Wow. So since that time, we've placed another dog with them, which is Stryker. Um, and he's Crowley number three. So, but our passion continued to say, okay, let's try this one more time with another litter. Let's see yeah. if we want to continue this work. And we did. We had a second litter on the ground, and then we ended up donating pup, a puppy to St. Francis, and we reached out and donated one to um, um, service dogs of Virginia and Charlottesville. And those dogs went through the program, got placed, and really exciting to be part of that journey. And that really 
gave us the energy to say, okay, we can make a difference in this space. And, and we saw how the dogs worked, you know, for the people and the differences that they made. And we said, we're just going to keep working in this space. As part of that, we also learned a lot about a, a new way of engagement with dogs. And it is now known as pet therapy work. Sure. Um, there was a organization that had been developed over time. It was called Delta. Um, from there, it changed names to Therapy Dogs International. And then on board came Pet Partners, which is now the largest uh, national organization to register animal, licensing them, mm -hmm. uh, having a uh, very in-depth training program and evaluation system in place and a continuous renewal process to make sure that the animals and handler can actually function in this environment yeah. um, and do a really great job. So we ended up getting into that with, with Bella, was our first dog. We trained her, we, uh, she was evaluated, and off I went. So my <laughs> the first assignment was at Carillion Hospital here locally. Then I also went to Lewis Gale Hospital. Uh, I did therapy work at the libraries and some of the nursing homes. And it just opened a whole new world to me personally. Um, it is really the first time in my life that I saw unconditional love mm. at work. Um, you know, as, as a human being, you always try, you know, especially people that you love, to find ways to show them that you love them and, and to act accordingly, you know. Um, but to do it unconditionally... That's really tough. It's really tough. It's really yeah. tough. And with our canines, especially with Bella, I actually saw it at work. Um, it's beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. You know, sometimes I say to people, gosh, I see God in you. I saw Jesus Christ literally doing his work through Bella. It was giving her access and the training to be able to do her job, to be present with people who needed her so badly. Um, we often talk about golden nugget stories, you know, mm. of, of our therapy work. And those are the ones that just are at the really at the heart of how you connect. Um, I never really totally understood the message of grace. I thought I did. I never totally understood what it meant to really love people. I thought I did, but that really never became totally clear to me until I started to do this volunteer work called pet therapy with Bella. Um, there are stories, and I'll share a couple of them with you. Um, one time we went in, we have a coordinator that walks with us because there's paperwork that needs to be done especially when you're interacting with uh, pediatric patients. Um, a lot of things you can't share because of the HEPA laws that are in place. So you can't share names. Oh, of course. Or times or anything like this. Yeah, we totally want to protect right. people's privacy Correct. and journeys. Correct. Yes. So we can talk about them when they were years and years ago, <laughs> you know, old stories as yeah. such. Um, but we had one particular child, um, 
we were allowed to go visit with her in her room. She had uh, about three days prior had brain surgery and she was in a coma. Uh, So her head nurse was there, the therapist was there, her mom was there. And they all said, please come in with the dog and just, you know, see what interactions you can have with her. She's been in a coma and we're not able to get her to wake up. And And like medically, she should have been able to wake up. Like there wasn't a reason. Okay. Right. So, you know, I went in and, and Bella does what Bella does. You know, she immediately started caressing the child's arm. I placed her hand on her head and she kept nudging it. And then she started to caress her hand very gently. And literally within 30 seconds, her little pinky started to move. Then another finger on her hand started to move. Then everybody started crying in the room. And her eyes started to flutter. Uh, And I said, should I step away? And they said, no, continue. Um, So Bella continued to caress her and she had opened her eyes at that point. She was able to move her arm. And that's when the therapist came over and said, okay, we'll take it from here. Wow. Um, So we stepped out and the nurse came running out after us. And she says, you have no idea what you have just done with this dog. Uh, We have tried for three days to get her to wake up from her coma. We have tried everything that we know how to do. And here you come in here with this dog and within 30 seconds of, of touching her, she wakes up. It's a miracle. Um, It was about two years later that we uh, were walking through the hospital again on one of our rounds that somebody tapped me on the back of my shoulder and I said, isn't that Bella? You know, and I said, yes, ma'am, it is. Would you like to, you know, pet her? And she said, absolutely. I would love to do it. Do you remember my daughter who has who had brain surgery and, you know, was in a coma. And I said, well, of course I do. And she said, you know, back then you guys used to take Polaroids, you know, um, of the dog and the child together and left it in a room because it's prohibited to take photos, you know, without proper consent. And so we don't do any of that. Sure. But Polaroids at that point were like calling cards for the kids. They love collecting yeah. them of the pets that came to see them. And it's like just the one yes. copy. It's not yes, duplicated. Correct. It's not stored. Exactly. It's like, and they this is your memory. It. It's your memory. Yeah. I love that. And she says, you know, my daughter is not doing really well. She was moved to a rehab center out of state, and she can only say two words. One is mama, and the other is Bella. And every morning when she wakes up, she told me, she has this, this copy, this picture of Bella laying next on her nightstand. She actually had three of them because we did three visits with her subsequently after that first encounter. And... It's what she picks up every single day and looks at the picture and, wow. and holds it up and, and, and says her name. And she says, you have no idea how much comfort that continues to give her. Um, we had another visit with uh, palliative care mm. where there was a family with an elderly lady who was in the process of dying. And her daughter uh, was there with the daughter's husband. And they came out and asked us if we would please come in 
and give her mom one more opportunity to touch a dog because she was a dog lover her entire life. And she knew that when hospice uh, was at a point to transfer her to palliative care, she could not take her animals with her and had uh, to leave them at home. Oh, and it was so devastating hard. for her and really difficult to say goodbye to them. And she said, would she please bring Bella in here? And, you know, she's in the dying process, but I know mom would want to want to see her. So yeah. we did. When we came into the room, um, the daughter asked, would it be okay for Bella to to lick my mom's feet because oh. her dog always did that for us? <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, you know, I would gladly do anything for you. However, this is not something that we teach our dogs. Bella does not know how to lick anybody's feet. Like not on command. I mean, like right, that's not like a sit, stay, right, right. nuzzle. You probably teach them probably like not to really be licking or right. too mouthy. Exactly. Yeah. So I said, but you know, I mean, we, we can try. I just don't know that I will be able to be successful with that. Yeah. Um, and she, so she moved the covers away from her feet and I pointed Bella into the direction and that's all I did. I just pointed and Bella ever so gently started caressing and licking her feet, her toes. And then all of a sudden you could see her face relaxing and then the smile came on her face. And the daughter said, oh, you make my mom smile one more time. What a gift. You know? And so we kind of left, and she ended up dying peacefully several hours later. Um, it's just a really, really heartfelt connection, yeah. you know, to be able to be present and to be able to see love being shared so unconditionally yeah. uh, at the moments when it means the most. Um, but we've other fun, more fun things, um, like well, I want to hear this story too, but yeah. I just, as you're sharing that story yeah. about Bella, you know, cleaning and licking and loving yeah. on that woman in that way. I mean, it's just, it's like Jesus at the last supper when they're washing each other's feet. Like this yeah. is, you know, my, my commandment to love one another as I have loved you. And Bella was in on that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty special. Um, Bella, because she was such a well-trained dog. There are different levels of engagement for pet mm, therapy dogs. Mm -hmm. One is what we call a predictable level in, of engagement. Another one is called complex. Bella was a complex rated pet therapy dog. So as such, she was permitted and insured by licensing to be able to provide animal assisted activity uh, support. So what that meant was uh, in our case, we ended up um, at our local hospital going to the rehab center that they had. And we primarily, we just loved working with the children. And Bella loved kids. So we engaged with the um, therapist, the physical therapist that they had there helping the children, um, getting through whatever issues that they had. Yeah. One of those events was a young boy who had leg surgery and part of his therapy, he had to demonstrate there was a small set of stairs where he had to walk up them 
and he had to go so many times in order to exercise his ankles correctly. Sure. So when we got there, this was his first time of meeting Bella. And so I introduced him to Bella and Bella's magical purse. Bella had this really funky glitter pink kind of a purse and inside were her dog treats, her favorite dog treats. So we called it the magic purse. I love it. Because the kids learned that they got to reach in there and pull a treat out and give it to Bella and then Bella would do something for them. Yeah. And so she would do a trick, you know, of some kind and the kids just really loved it. So in his case, um, he did not want to do his therapy of walking on the stairs. And he said, it Therapy's hard. I get that. It hurts. And he cried and he told the therapist, I can't do this. I'm not doing this. So I talked to him and I said, you know, Bella could really use your help over here. You know, let me show you her magic purse and let's do some tricks with her. So he did. And he really loved this. And I said, you know, I'll make you a deal. Every time you walk up those steps and then you come back down, you get to reach inside the magic purse and then you get to have Bella do another trick for you. How does that sound? And he said, okay. And off he went. <laughs> so the first, first flight of steps he took, you know, he was still kind of a little bit whiny, yeah. but then he kept looking at Bella and I, and I told him, I said, Bella's watching every step you're taking and she's waiting for you, for you to, <laughs> she's waiting for this treat. That's right. To come down. And he came back down and he very quickly did this like three or four times. And the therapist said, well, you know, you're doing great. So let's go ahead you know, we were, we're kind of done with this. And the little boy said, oh, no, I'm not. I need to do this again because Bella wants another treat. She depends on me to give it to her. And so the therapist said, well, okay, but this will be the last time because we don't want to overdo it. And he just went up that flight of stairs and laughed and giggled and came back down. He said, you know, it still hurts, but it hurts less because Bella's here. Can Bella yeah. be here next time I come? So, you know, that was really really sweet to see how an animal can help overcome fear uh can be comforting you know and encouraging that way we had another um animal assisted activity with another child who had sensory issues as such he could not touch food with his hands Mm. or get his hands wet like um or have soap on them because it, it just really upset him terribly. Sure, it was too so much. It was just too much. So the therapist, you know, introduced us and Bella to him. Um, and again, the magic purse came out and I showed him what we do with the magic purse. And I asked him, I said, would you like, you know, to reach in and get a treat for Bella and give it to her? And knowing his sensory issues, um, yeah, got to touch looked, the treat, get a little mm-hmm, dog drool on you. That's like right. that's a, yeah, that's a huge thing. And he at first was like, I'm not sure. But then Bella kind of nudged him with her nose, you know, up his arm and, and kind of said, come on, I want some food. <laughs> and so he says, okay, I, th- I think I can do this. So he reached right in, got the treat put it out and Bella like literally put her mouth on his hand and slobbered it up really good. And he just stood there in shock as, oh, what just happened here? My hand. Am I okay with this? Am I okay with this? (laughs) He wasn't sure. 
And then I said, how about you do this again? Bella really liked it. And Bella nudged him again. He reached back inside, gave her another treat. And it was one of these, um, (laughs) these things where the therapist said, wow, this is really awesome. You know, we've been working with this kid for over a year. And this really helped him break through. And so the next appointment that he had was the following week. His mom came in and they actually talked about getting a Labrador for him. And sure enough, they ended up rescuing a lab, um, trained him and it became his dog. And it was the first time when he came into the room, he told me, he says, I have a dog and his name, I don't remember what the name of the dog is now, but that that's her, my dog's name. And I feed my dog and I give my dog water. And now I have friends because they all want to come and see my dog. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. You know, this was better than anything I even imagined. It was beyond yeah. just being there in animal assisted therapy, but now seeing this child, actually have friends where he was isolated before because of his condition where he Mm -hmm. couldn't participate in activities and now he was wanting to share about his dog and talk to the other kids where before he just didn't want to you know um from there we kind of went to um, we also tried to support another hospital where they had in-house lockdown care for younger children who were under suicide watch mm. or had real traumatic life events that happened to, to them. More um, mental health concerns. Mental health concerns, emotional concerns. So sure. we ended up serving there for about two years every Sunday after church. That's where we went. Um, and we went into the lockdown facility. Our most touching story was about a young boy who sat there in the group Uh, We kind of formed the ring so they could all see Bella and see her picture books. I mean, we did all kinds of fun activities with the kids to kind of engage them, you know, and think about something else, you know, other than what they were going through. And this young boy had a hoodie on and he had the hoodie drawn over his head. He just looked down. He wouldn't even respond. He, I asked him, would you like to pet Bella? He wouldn't even comment. Um, there was there was no way of reaching him. But I sat next to him anyway. Um, and Bella just laid there. And, you know, Bella just does what Bella does. Bella ended up just kind of getting a little bit closer to him. And she just laid there, non-threatening, didn't do anything. Um, so we went there like several times. Then the next time he started to... And we asked, how about come over here and touch her? You know, she likes to be petted and and she wants to know that people care about her coming. You yeah. Know? Um, and then he said, you know, I'm afraid of dogs. Um, I, is she going to bite me when I come over? And I said, no, of course not. You've seen how gentle Bella is. See how she just lays here. Just approach her from from the rear end, you know, and just kind of sit there and just pet her. And he did. And he got more confident as it went on. And then he removed his hoodie. And at the end of the group session, he ended up giving her a hug. Wow. And the next time when we came, he was the first one at the door where we always entered the facility uh, for the group activities. And, And he announced to the entire group, 
Hey, Bella is here. You're going to love petting her. And she has the coolest picture books. You want to see her. Yeah. And then he was sitting right next to Bella and held her the entire time and just chit-chatted away about because he knew how old she was, how much she weighed, how many litters she had at that He'd time. He'd been listening. He was listening Even and paying when he attention. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Which was really great, you know, and we have a leash that we use, so we permit the children to walk Bella. Mm. So, But it was a dual leash. It gave him a sense of, on one end, that they were really walking her, but really, we were in control the whole time. You know, we had the other end on, and sure listened to our commands, but he was proudly walking her around the room yeah. and introducing her to every single person and made sure that they knew what there was to know about Bella. So really... Um, some way to be present and sharing Christ's love with the world is through pet therapy, you know? Um, That really drove Mark and me, my husband, to say, you know, I think we'll just keep on doing this. This is really, this is the space where we want to be. This is how we feel we are giving back. And this is how we feel that we can make a, a positive difference and it's a fun way of doing it because we love dogs. You yeah, know? you're going to have dogs anyways, it That's sounds right. like. So people make comments before, gosh, you've really gone to the dogs, Sabella. And I said, <laughs> yes, we have. And it's okay. Yeah. You know? Um, so from there, we, our love really for the animals continued to grow. But more importantly was the really desire to be extremely responsible in breeding only the best to the best um, and and taking extreme care uh, with pairings of dogs and really intricately knowing what makes that work the best because we want to produce Labradors that have correct structure, mm-hmm. that conform to the breed standard or, and or exceed it, that have excellent health to the best that we can predict you know, and to not do high-risk breeding events and to do them in such a way to where there's exceptional care for not just the mom, but also for the offspring and where the offspring goes. Yeah. So today our our venture has really involved, I mean, evolved into replace mostly service dogs and pet therapy dogs. And um, not that they're ready, these are what we call prospect dogs. And the way we know that is we go through an extensive process of not just doing a lot of work before breeding even takes place mm-hmm. with making sure that we've done our research on lines and what the predictable genetic outcome might be yeah. uh, in terms of genotype and the way temperament is expressed. Yeah. So we, we've done all of that homework, but then once the puppies are born, is to set up an environment to where we actually do um, very intentional day-to-day um, developmental activities with puppies to be able to bring them into our human world so they can function at their best. Um, 
So that's taken us down a really long path and we could have never done this with the help of a, literally an entire village of all, pe of all kinds of people that dedicate their lives towards breeding, doing the right things and learning from them and them sharing their knowledge with us and, and, and doing work that was you know, accessible to us to learn from uh, one of the really main people that helped shape our breeding program was Dr. Gail Watkins. She actually developed Avidog. She was commissioned by Guiding Eyes to develop a temperament evaluation for puppies when they're seven and a half to eight weeks old so they can better gauge for which puppies, ah. you know, what career path might they be most suitable for. Is it maybe being a service dog for um, physical service dog work or mm -hmm. is it some, if it's an animal that maybe helps for diabetic alerting, maybe seizure alerting, um, maybe it's pet therapy, yeah. maybe it's a performance type dog, you know, maybe it's a hunting type dog. And so she developed this tool and, and eventually through her business, she developed the Avidog Breeder College, which I completed. And, and then I learned a lot about temperament evaluations. I was actually instructed by her personally and the two folks that helped her cool. with that, which was really great and learned a lot. So we ended up buying licensing for that tool. And so we've been evaluating every one of our litters, not just for AKC breed standard. You know, yeah. are we improving or are we hurting the line? We never want to hurt the line. We sure. want to keep improving with every breeding that we do. But then also, are we producing the right temperament? Because this yeah. is the mission. This like, is this the is mission. This to is, be able yes. to impact and make those yes. pairs and... Yeah. And I also just love too, like the nuance of finding the individual gifts of each dog, like just as each person right. has a different gift Correct. and a personality, like it's the same for the dogs yes. as well. Yes, it is. So these tools help us and we have people that are really even more so than us, you know, that we're pulling in to, to say, hey, can you, the service dog group, replacing a puppy with you, how about you come help us with the evaluations, give us a third set of eyes and another perspective, make sure we're not missing something. Yeah. And then we're rating together. Um, so it's kind of a, a collective effort. This is all about people coming together with one mission. And that is to help people through the unconditional love and the skills that these canines provide. And Labradors are just, you know, they're perfect for this work. Yeah. Um, there are other canines you've heard about golden retrievers that work fairly well in that environment too, but Labradors is, you know, they're really top notch at this and we love labs. So <laughs> what is there not to love about them? Yeah. You know, there's, um, you know, people always ask us, by gosh, you put so much into those puppies. How can you possibly let them go? Mm. You know, I mean, this must be heartbreaking for you. And Mark and I both say every time, yes, it's hard, you know, to pass them on. But we're really just guardians here, you know. Our, our role is to allow this to happen, allow the best Labradors to be born and raised in an environment that's loving and caring 
for them so they can be sent out into the world to do their best work for all of us and to lift our communities up. That's what the mission is. That's what this is all about. It's about Christ being present. Um, when Chip Gunston was our pastor at um, St. Philip Lutheran Church before Pastor David uh, and Pastor Kelly came and before Pastor Laura, and about a week before he passed away, Pastor Chip and I had a conversation about pet therapy. Mm. And I, I shared with him my desire of, I want to do more in this space because I can see how God is working in this. And it is the first time that I saw grace and love playing out in front of my eyes where I'm just giving access. I don't have to be the one doing, trying to do it because yeah. I fail miserably at trying to do this. No matter how hard I try, I fail every single time. Uh, but these dogs are just able to do this, you know? And I said, I want to set up something here at our church so this cycle, this life cycle is set up to where it continues. And, but I need some help with coining this. And, and it was really he who said, you know, this is about being present. This is about being God's witness. Yes. And thus came about witnessing pause at St. Philip. Yeah. So as part of that, uh, Mark and I set up evaluations. I'm a licensed evaluator through mm -hmm. Pet Partners. And this is all volunteer work. Um, and the St. Philip family just opened their arms and hearts and said, yes, do this here. Um, and so what we do is we give access to teams to come. We have lots of members of our church who are helping with this. And we hold evaluation events under the pet partner licensing structure where we evaluate the teams and assign ratings to them, which environments that they can go to. We coach them on, you know, possibly what the next step might be in their pet ther therapy journey. We uh, give advice on where to go for training. If they didn't pass an evaluation, for example, maybe the dog was too reactive mm. towards a neutral dog that came in. So, and there are all these resources available. And that ministry now, uh, next year, it will be 10 years for St. Philip wow. to have been host of this ministry. And it has just touched so many lives because if that would not be possible today, there are literally hundreds of teens that would not have made it through um, and that today would not be in our communities, not just here in Roanoke, not just here in Badatat County, but we have teams coming from all over the state. We have teams coming from out of state um, to be evaluated here. And they go back and they give back to their communities and they serve yeah. in schools. Uh, they help children to overcome reading uh, issues. They help in their local community hospitals, in their retirement communities. They help in their churches. And it is about being present you know, uh, and sharing God's love. And that is such an honor to be able to be part of that. And we feel incredibly blessed um, that we've been called to do this. Well, thank you so much for sharing just so many beautiful stories about the impact that 
you and your family and your dogs have been able to have. I just, it's been a blessing to me to listen and I know it's gonna mean so much to everyone who listens too. Thank you so much. Prayer for Animals. God, our Creator, help us to love all creatures as kin, all animals as partners on earth, all birds as messengers of praise, all minute beings as expressions of your mysterious design, and all frogs as voices of hope. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. We hope you experienced God's love for you and the world in today's episode. The All Places Together Pet Blessing is going to go live later this week. Keep an eye out on the social feeds for it. Our next Zoom communion is Monday, October 16th, and the link to sign up is on our Facebook and Instagram. If you've already signed up once, you'll automatically get the link. If you're curious about how our time together goes, it's like this. Everyone gets on the Zoom and we spend a couple of minutes just chatting. I kind of frame what the night is about and explain how folks can participate. And there's lots of options, whether you are an extrovert and you're like ready to talk, or if you're just in a place where you need a quieter night and to just kind of listen, there's space for that too. The worship time begins with some shared spoken words, followed by a reading from the Bible. Sometimes I'll share a brief reflection, and other times everyone is invited to share a connecting story, but don't worry, it's always challenged by choice. Next, we listen to a song and share prayer requests in the chat. I then lead a time of prayer, praying over that concerns that were lifted up by the community, and then we move into communion together. We wrap up our time together with some final prayers and the sharing of any announcements and updates about all places together. So that's the rundown of what happens at Zoom Communion, and I hope that you'll join us on October 16th. There is already a space for you. The podcast will be taking a break for a couple of weeks here as I'm out of town for work and I'm also going to be focusing on onboarding our fellow Emmer Kate. So be sure you're following us on social feeds to see when we're back. It's at All Places Together on both Facebook and Instagram. As always, thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Being church together is so important. Thank you also to those who give financially to empower the ongoing ministry of APT. If you'd like to support us, you can go to the All Places Together website, allplacestogether.org, scroll to the bottom where it says Give Now, 
Click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. You can make one-time gifts or set up a recurring donation at that page. And until next time, remember that God is with you and loves you wherever, whoever, whatever, and however you are.